Howdy, everybody. Cable Smith welcoming each and every one of you into episode 101 of Justified Pursuit. It is great to be here with you, and it is equally great to see the good counselor, Chisholm Cook, back from the Elkwoods of Montana. And I want to hear all about that trip, my friend. But first of all, how are you doing today? I'm home, uh, which is, yeah, definitely uh, a relief. Well, uh, first things first, congrats on the sex. <laughs> yeah, thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, Nine days in the woods by yourself or just with other dudes. Woo, that'll do things to a man. You've got Alicia blushing at the moment. Yeah. <clears throat> a friend of ours from church. Mm. Um, thankfully, she has a sense of humor about it and understands dudes. Uh, well, church yeah. people know how babies are made, too. So, Sure. Yeah. Um, glad to be home. I've got some pretty significant like inflammation, congestion stuff going on in my sinuses today. I think from just like breathing, burning pine wood for six straight days. Mm. Like you start to realize about three days in when you got a wood burning stove in your tent the whole time going and the wood burning stove and the, you know, the cook tent going and your boogers start turning black. You're like, Oh, I'm breathing a lot of soot. <laughs> so mm. it's, um, Yeah. So other than that, that, everything is great. I'm home. When we took the kids camping for their fall break for two nights, like I felt like that because we had a campfire going constantly. Yeah. When David and I went elk hunting in Wyoming in September, I did not feel like that because there was a fire ban. So we did not mm. have, we had one fire and David's pretty by the book, but I was like, it, it was sleeting and pouring down rain. And so, you know, we've been in that situation where it's like, where's a big pine tree we can hunker down under? And yeah. I was told him, I was like, David, I'm building a damn fire. He goes, I'll help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, if it's sleeting slash raining on you, <laughs> we were probably freezing. Okay. Yeah. 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 Um, it was a pretty awesome wilderness adventure to say the least. Uh, this camp. So that this outfit, Sun Canyon Lodge, shout out Sun Canyon has been running hunts up there. I think for at least 60 years, if not longer. 40 years under the same family ownership. Uh, mm -hmm. The last 20, it's been uh, this this couple that runs it now. And then the 20 prior to that, it was the guy's dad uh, mm -hmm. who he grew up guiding for. And, and they bought the Bob it. Bob Marshall Wilderness? Bob Marshall Wilderness, yep. Um, at Somewhere near there, you can see like the Sawtooth Range. Mm -hmm. So it's all, you know, pretty well-known. Well Grizzly and, and Wolf Country? Grizzly and Wolf Country definitely saw... Plenty of signs of both. Um, the It's kind of cool. So there, there's a, I can't remember what the hell the name of the dam is, but the Sun River is dammed up, right? Right up the trail as you head into the National Forest from the lodge. It was built in the 20s. The dam was. It's like a mini scale. The Hoover Dam was like modeled after this dam and, you know, expanded considerably. But so the dam workers back in the 20s, they built a bar for those guys. And that's now the lodge. So oh, you, wow. there's this hundred, almost hundred year old, like octagon shaped, uh, log constructed bar with these like 80 year old elk mounts in it. There's some monsters in there from back in the day. I mean, all the, mm -hmm. all the big ones in there are old, you know, half a century ago, harvested type thing back when it was truly untouched wilderness, you know, but big, big elk in there, like mm -hmm. 70 inch wide elk. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Huge. Uh, I mean, I'm just guessing, but they were like so wide, it didn't make sense. <laughs> um, so the lodge was really cool. 
the ride in uh, was awful. I was miserable the last hour and a half, um, mostly because I had a horse that just didn't want to walk as fast as the rest of them. And I, you know, I did figure out on my way out how to keep him walking at a better pace and not getting into a trot. But that on the way no, in, it made you like, ride the same one on the way out. Yeah. Uh, you look at that thing. You're like, this is a jalopy. I'd like uh, give me a sports car. I, I got it. We, we worked it out. I had to push him a little bit. Uh, you know, I hate riding horses, not because yeah. I'm afraid of them. I, I like being around horses. I really do. I think they're awesome creatures. Um, and I like the idea of being on them, but my, my back, you and I've done enough, uh, backcountry hunts where I end up just walking with the horse. It's like yeah. I paid to ride a horse. Now I'm just walking with it. Yeah. I, uh, I thought about it on the way out. I'll be honest. Mm. Um, but you were 15 miles, uh, on right. horseback. Usually yeah, we go five, five hours ride yeah. where we've gone. It's like seven seven ish yeah i did 15 when i went into that place in colorado with dad that year when mm -hmm. everything went awry and i don't remember being half as sore but we also i didn't do any trotting on that that hunt it's yeah. the trotting that gets you right because you either like stay in the saddle and just take the pounding which will kill your back or you do what you're supposed to do which is sort of post stand up a little bit and use your legs and thighs as a shock absorber right well when you do that like 30 percent of a five-hour ride uh, and it's not something you do very often. Your IT bands and your uh, hip flexors, or at least mine, quads, groin, oh, killer. Um, well, we got in there. The camp was I don't amazing. Think people dude. realize that, dude. Like, if you don't ride a horse frequently and you just get on a horse for a few hours, it's physically taxing on your body. Yeah. Yeah. It's a lot of work, dude. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, very subtle. I mean, it. It, it seems do like anything it for be, five hours. It seems like the horse should be doing the work and I should just be, you know, on along for the ride. If you strap me to a chair and make me sit for five hours, I'm going to be hurting, right? Like right. <laughs> five straight hours of anything is going to wear you out a little bit. But yeah, sitting upright and like I said, riding through the trotting and stuff. Mm -hmm. We had a much better experience on the way out, although I was still definitely ready the last hour to be off that horse. But um, yeah, the the camp was really impressive. So They've that that lodge has had that permit for at least 60 years to set this camp up where they had it. Uh, this one, well, there were two camps, the same outfit was running um, six hunters in each camp. You get in there and they've got like a 20 by 40 foot wall tent. That's the kitchen. They've got all this uh, propane rigged up with like, you know, copper piped lanterns across the, the top of the place that they could light uh, you know, a table, these benches that were actually they had post hole dug these benches into the ground along the, the kitchen table, a gas fired stove top with a griddle on it, a gas fired oven that she could, the cook could bake in. Oh, a wood, cook. wood fire. Okay, yeah. That's there's a different cook up there. from our previous hunts. I think I told you that there's a cook. I told oh, you somebody. did. But for, for the listeners, like we're oh, typically yeah. eating freeze dried yeah. stuff. that just makes you crap your brains out the next day. We had, we ate well. Yeah. We had, yeah pork chops we had ribs we had oh this is uh, so swanky chicken uh alfredo we had uh roasted beef and i can't remember what the other two night dinners were but she mm. had desserts every night brownies cheesecake that makes free it was pretty awesome lasagna looked pretty paltry yeah big old corral that they pinned like 30 mules and, and horses in at night they would just let them out Huh. And in the morning, somebody would wrangle them and they'd be as far as three miles away. And so, you know, first light, somebody would go wrangle up all the animals. They had 
GPS collars on some of them, right? So they could keep track of general vicinities and wrangle them all, all back in, pin them up during the day while the hunting was going on. And then at night, let them all back out again in grist country. It was kind of crazy. Huh. Um, three tents for the tack, three tents for the six hunters, a cook tent for the lady and uh, the, the, the owner's daughter, 14 year old daughter rode in on Friday evening and hung out with us for the weekend. She's been literally going up there since she was six months old. Um, so, so there are six hunters and this was a two on one hunt. Yep. So who did you have a buddy that you were paired up with? I got, <laughs> I'm glad you brought that up. I got paired with the one guy who showed up without a buddy. Cause I, mm-hmm. I went with a guy I worked with and his friend that he grew up with. Um, so yeah, they were naturally going to hunt together. And I was really hoping that meant, you know, I was the youngest guy in camp. Those guys are 15, they're mid fifties, I think. So mm-hmm. 15 years older than me, whatever. Um, the other two guys were brothers from the West coast. I have a few things I have to say here. Um, the first is, is it okay to say the word coon ass? I think it's yeah, fine because that's not, because racist. there's no, means, there's no yeah, racial kind of, yeah. That's right. I mean, that means a redneck from Arkansas or Louisiana or something. Or Louisiana. Texas. It's Southern Louisiana and very specifically, right? Like my, my in-laws from North Louisiana claim to be North of Kunas, right? Kunas is like Baton Rouge. Small people. Yeah. <clears throat> and to your point, I'm not sure that it, it, I don't think that there's, I think it predominantly describes white Southern Louisianans, but I think just about any Southern Louisiana, regardless of color, who's got the accent, uh, it's technically a coon ass. I got partnered with the coon ass <laughs> uh-huh. um, who liked to stand in the middle of a field all day in his blaze orange, staring up at elk on the mountains and wondering white, why they weren't the walking way. into his right. Yes, he was. Yeah. <clears throat> for anybody who doesn't know, it's just a word for Cajun. Right. Uh, and I don't know of any coon asses that take offense to it. So uh, if you're offended by it, it you're probably not a coon ass and you should get the F over it. Yeah. Uh, nobody listening to this is, a, uh, is <clears throat> um, offended by that, but uh, it's the best description for the cat. It was an art guy. Um, started telling our guide how to do his job right off the bat. That was disconcerting. A 60 something. And in peak physical condition. Oh yeah, sure. Yeah. He, he was real hard to keep up with <laughs> <laughs> the first morning, opening morning, we were walking out of camp. We're a hundred yards up the trail and he's 75 behind us. My, uh, my guy, Dave turns around and just goes, ah, shit. I knew this was going to happen. <laughs> I was like, so did I, bro. Let's just deal. Um, the other thing I was going to mention was in the uh, don't judge a book by its cover category. The two cats from the West Coast. We met them when we got to the lodge the night before riding out. And one's from Portland, Oregon. and The other one's from San Francisco. <laughs> so two I'll places be perfectly I never honest. Again. Or I've been to San Francisco. I'll never go back, and I will never go to Portland. My crew was instantaneously skeptical about about hanging out 15 miles in grizzly country with these two cats. But we were wrong. Like, dude, they were great, great guys. They were great guys. I was trying like hell to give them the benefit of the doubt. They were there, right? So it's that's sign number one that they're not total right lefty douchebags. You know, they had. I would say some mannerisms that match those two towns. Right. But both were husbands and fathers of, of daughters in particular, mm-hmm. um, you know, and they were experienced outdoorsmen. Like, um, you know, th- this was their first elk hunt and 
the older brother doesn't do a lot of hunting. He likes to fly fish a little bit more. And the younger brother does a lot. They're, he, they're like fourth generation Oregonians. Um, the younger brother was the one from Portland. He goes blacktail hunting. He tries to go hunt elk. I never, I can't remember if he's ever actually shot an elk, but he'd go get a cow tag and, you know, sleep on the ground in, you know, the, the coastal range area of, of Oregon. So he could climb, he could keep pretty well, well up with his guide. They were great dudes. Um, mm-hmm. I feel bad that they didn't end up getting anything, but, uh, cool to camp with them. I got to borrow the fly gear one day that the one guy had brought in and catch a few fish. Nice. Um, yeah, the morning I shot it was second morning. I was watching two young raghorn bulls spar about 500 foot above me and a thousand yards away. Where's the coon ass guy at this point? He's below me back towards camp. So when you come up out of the backside of camp, there was just like this big meadows with these rolling hills, right? And it didn't look real big until you were in the bottom of one of these crevices looking up the next hill, right? But from the tops of them, it just looked like humps, right? And yeah. But to the to the sort of the southeast all the way around to the north were bigger hills some of them mountains sticking up right um the terrain wasn't it was like 5,000 to 8,500 feet so it wasn't huge but you know if you're standing at 5,200 and you're looking at a 8,500 foot peak that's a big ass hill right so right. 180 degrees all around us were these taller hills and these lower grassy rollers in between well he would stay almost all the way at the bottom but in a the place guy where he's like, here, you stay your fat ass right, right here. And if an elk yeah. walks by, you shoot it. Yeah, exactly. Preferably <laughs> like behind something or beside something that might obscure the blaze orange vest that you're wearing out in the middle of the open. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He liked to stick out. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would say, like I told him one morning, I was like, that morning I got my bull. I was when we left him there, I was like, did you find some cover button? He was, oh yeah, yeah I, was, I had some cover yesterday. I was like, you stood next to a five foot pine tree. That's not cover. <laughs> you're taller than the pine tree anyway um i'm sitting on this knoll this hilltop looking at all the stuff around me hiding behind this down uh, pine tree root ball from the wind watching these bulls fighting sparring and my guide is belly crawling up behind me he's like hey there's like eight elk on the other side of your root ball there and i was like oh sweet i hadn't even checked over there because i've been watching these two for 15 minutes so pop up over the root ball and there they are he curls on up to me he's like man you got a sweet little blind here i was like i know there's like mm. big root ball and a big hole right behind it so i could hunker down and get out of the wind but just like get up and glass around and be perfectly hidden <laughs> so we watched him ease their way up this ridge from left to right going uphill and i had a plan for you know me to go down this deep ravine into that creek and up the back side of that hill right to where they're headed and i wasn't gonna say anything about five minutes later he was like we should go that way down into the creek, up the backside and intercept them. And I was like, yep, I'm with you. Let's go. Crick. Texans yeah. don't call it a creek. Eventually when you're there, uh, you either conform or you're destroyed. So <laughs> it's a, it's a creek for now until I get my Texas slang back. Uh, so we made that move getting down into this deep bridge Creek is with, Oh, maybe you should blank that down into this creek. walking down. It was like, it was frozen snowy still. Um, it was super sketchy enough so that I went ahead and unloaded my chamber, even though I knew we were two or 300 yards from elk. Cause I was worried about slipping, mm-hmm. crawled up the other side, blow down hell. This whole area had burned. And so it was either standing burned widow makers or blow down everywhere, you know, easier blow down than when we go in New Mexico though, because at least the stuff that's burned has like mostly just stubs 
Yeah. Maybe some, you know, bare limbs sticking off of it. Not like whole pine trees that got blown down and left like that, you know? Um, but there were some areas where it got gnarly in the backside of this hill was one of those. And he goes up and checks over the top and there's a cow like 200 yards away. So he comes back down. He's like, we need to keep moving on further around and move around the backside of that ridge, get busted by some elk, go another hundred yards, 200 yards, get busted by some whitetail that then bust out the elk, have some lunch, come all the way back around to the far from where we had started, what would have been our left side. We'd gone all the way around the backside of this ridge and up to the other side where we're now facing the same Creek we'd crossed. And there's like 40 cows below us, like within two, the furthest that they were was like 235. but mm-hmm. we're on the steep hillside. They're on a bench below us, which for anybody who doesn't know, a bench is where a hillside flattens out for a little bit and then drops back down. So it makes for great bedding area. I mean, it was perfect, dude, like perfect little bedding area. But where they're at, the blowdown slash standing burn timber is so thick that if I'm sitting in one spot glassing in there and he's sitting three feet from me, we're looking at different elk just because of the narrow little bitty lanes we had to look through. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had ditched our packs and belly crawled. So now we're stuck at noon in a 35 mile an hour sustained wind. And I say that it was probably gusting upwards of 40. Cold. My jacket's in my pack, his vest's in his pack, and we're just sitting on elk. So it's like, well, this is where we'll sit till something happens, you know? <laughs> good thing we, I mean, we had a good wind in our face. They were down below us. and that, was, it, was it snowing? Uh, we did get, I think, a little bit of sleet in our face that day, just a little bit. It kind of had come and gone. It was more like just ice crystals floating in the air a lot of the time you know what i mean but but there was snow on the ground in places there was some patchy snow from the weekend we headed out there before Mm -hmm. we headed it had snowed like saturday sunday and part of the day monday um you know a few inches or whatever maybe half a foot and by the time we rode out it was almost all gone Mm -hmm. we got very little almost none while we were up there little dusting like the second night i think which was the night before this day i'm talking about you know, when he said, like, I think we just need to sit tight and see if a bull comes, you know, with 40 cows down below there and we're now coming into the second rut, it's like there ought to be a, some bulls around, you know. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I, you know, everything I've always heard or read about elk hunting, Ranella likes to say, like, yeah, when you get close to the herd, you kind of just uh, stay close and wait, some, wait for something to happen. So <laughs> we'll just sit. Um, at some point, I did double back and grabbed our packs, got my coat on. Just kept watching on them. I'm looking for like maybe a place where I can crawl over a few logs and stay low and, you know, get a different vantage point. But everything just looks like a, a mess back the direction they were, you know, about 150, half of them start meandering around and eating. And I showed him my soul lunar app and I was like, look, dude, told you I'd been trying to tell him, like, follow the moon phase, the rising setting overhead underfoot thing. Sure enough, three minutes before it's supposed oh, to start. Just for a little more, you know, introspection we're not talking about that, this that, yeah. that means this is when animals are most likely to get up and start feeding in daylight hours. Right. Four times a day when the moon is rising or setting, and they say overhead, meaning high noon for the moon, right? Or underfoot, the other side of the planet from you, uh, animals will move. But the long and short of it is I start easing, creeping down the hill along this down pine tree. And the bull gets up, starts moving. Oh, I had spotted him. After He bugled a couple times. My guy is looking at some raghorns. He's like, that wasn't him. Them, that was some other bull. And then about 10, 15 minutes later, I spot him. 
he's walking along the far edge of the the the, uh, the bench. I instantaneously say, I'm killing that bull. He's a big six point. He's got big swords. He's got little whale tails. Like I can see his brow tines. They're big and hooked up. Like no doubt about it. I'm killing that bull. Mm-hmm. He goes over and he beds down where I can't see him, but Dave can see him. But all Dave can see is his middle mid body. Can't see his head. Can't see his tail, but he, he watched him come to a spot in bed. And then two cows bed down right with him, like up against him looking in opposite directions. So you could just tell like, all right, this guy's the man it's, you know, late October. He's got he's two ladies to 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 suit here. Well, I mean, he's got a whole bench full of cows, like forty of them, right? But he's got like two that won't leave his side, you know. Yeah, and and like three or four more bedded within his vicinity, but these two that were like I had to have been touching him, you know. They so were just he's like probably going to get some stink on his hang down at some point. Yeah, it seemed that was that was probably inevitable. <laughs> and you know, as a hunter, that's the kind of cool stuff you look forward to, like. Damn, well, we all want to shoot. Was, that was a good line. That was supposed to derail you a little more than that. I've learned to play through your BS. <laughs> That's the kind of thing I always look for, right? Like uh, a mature dominant animal is going to have that kind of relationship with the females, right? So like regardless of his antlers, like is he the man? Well, mm-hmm. this guy was the man, right? But I can't see him from where I'm sitting and all Dave can see his body. He, you know, we, we talk about could I slip a bullet? between those trees, between the top and bottom limb. And, uh, you know, there's, we would, I had a, I would have had a shot over the cows hit like high lung and not clip the limb above with the arc of my bullet. Right. So we pass on it and just keep waiting. And 45 more minutes later, probably I'm easing up and down this down pine tree, trying to see if I can find a window that is a better view. And he finally gets up and they start moving and they're walking along. And if they had followed that bench all the way straight downhill from us, it was wide open. Some of the cows had sort of eased their way that direction, but some of them looked like they may fall off into the deep ravine and go straight away from us, which would have been a bad situation. Right. So he's easing along. There was moments where I could see him and Dave couldn't, and then I'd lose him. And Dave could see him and Dave would be like, crap, I lost him again. And so we're, we're like hopscotching down this pine tree as he's easing through the, the timber below. And he finally reaches this point where I could see if he just kept taking a few more steps, he'd be in the open for me. So I'm in my scope. I watch him bugle from in my scope. Dave's, you know, telling me he's like, he's about to step out. He's about to step out. He finally does. I get a full clear view of just his body. Hammer him in the shoulder with my 300 short mag. Clearly hit him hard. Uh, I'm shooting a suppressor, so it just sounds like this, like wood clack, like like a like a you know two pieces of wood just smashed together, and mm-hmm. all the elk scatter and run down the river, down the creek bottom, and but he only goes like 30 yards limping on that shoulder and just beds right down. And from there, all I could see was dark brown hide. Uh, and if you know what an elk looks like, especially late rut, it's their mane, basically their neck, is covered in a long black fur and then they're tan after that all i could see between this cluster of burned pine trees was a dark brown patch couldn't see his ass couldn't see his amp i could see a dark brown patch and what looked like a main beam like if his head was back and his beam was running down the middle of his neck that's all i could see but i watched him fall into that and i'm on that brown patch between these trees and he's telling me stay on him stay on him stay on him and i'm already reloaded but there's no movement. And then it finally, after a minute or two, looked like he stood up. That brown patch lifted. Right. And I was like, 
crap, he's moving. He's up, he's up, he's up. And he's up, up, up the hill a little bit again for me, looking from a different vantage point. He's like, well, shoot him, shoot him, shoot him. If you've got a shot, shoot him. So I squeeze another one off, thinking I'm taking the next shot. His antler had moved. And uh, then it just falls back down where it started. And then nothing. So I was like, damn, I slipped one through there and got him in the neck. Sweet, you know? And so now he can see from his vantage, like a leg lifted up on top of a log in this real, like, dead looking posture right like no excuse for this leg to be in this position you know right so i creep up to where he is and i look through and i was we were both like yeah dude he's dead that you know that must have been a good you know spinal at worst right give him another couple more minutes zero movement other than that leg kind of twitched a little bit right so we we're like yeah he's toast head on down there even being able to see where he fell and i'm only being 200 yards you get down to the bench they're at and we're like where the hell is stumbling around down there and all this thick ass blowdown finally find him um turns out to be a pretty nice bull uh real nice six point but he's broken off halfway up one side which i had seen yeah you know when he was walking through the timber i could tell he was broken off and i didn't care he was a big bull um plus at that point with him bugling in my face and after waiting for three and a half hours it was like kill switch was engaged <laughs> well no, and no to, backing down now to that point like He's broken off because he's a badass and he's been exactly whipping. Exactly. Ass. Like, so he's broke off halfway up his left-hand side, right above his third time there missing at least an inch or inch and a half, maybe even two from his, his fourth on his right, which was already like an excellent time. They call those the swords, right? The, the, the ones right before the big fork at the end, those times, those times are, they look like big daggers that stick straight out. And that's one of my favorite tines on an elk right and when i'd first seen him i was like oh he's got good swords well they're like 16 and a quarter without the broken off piece two other tines are chipped turns out that the the processing group back in great falls told like they had a, we took the whole neck in but a bunch of that got lost because it was gouged and infected um so yeah dude was a, 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 a absolute warrior his whole face was full of these big sticker burr balls uh, just like these burrs that were just like all over his face. Um, but so I started working on, he, we, we, they did an interesting thing. So it was like four o'clock in the afternoon by the time we got him. Oh crap. Got another sick kid coming home from school. Um, so there weren't any, there wasn't anybody that would bring mules over and they don't like packing meat in the dark in grizzly country. Right. So we gutted him popped his pelvis open right drug the guts about 75 yards away and then the body right in the middle of the spine right above the tenderloins chopped him clean in half with a knife like you know prying through spinal right mm -hmm. left his hindquarters laid open on you know one side of this little spot he'd fallen and then the rib cage shoulders and neck five yards away and just he took a little saw he had and he cut a bunch of little pine saplings down and we buried both of them in pine saplings, uh, left the hide on, but just like, you know, two halves of an elk cut, you know, like in the spine. And that's where we left him. What was the Went point on back to camp? Half? I really don't know, dude. I, Maybe yeah, I don't know. Grizzly I, found it. They'd only well, mess with one half of it. They, uh, they, we were going to quarter him the next day, but not like when we talk about quartering like shoulders and hind quarters, right? Like we went back with an axe and two mules and we chopped his spine in half. So we put like the hip, 
backstrap and quarter, hind quarter on one side of a mule, and then the, the matching side on the other side, oh. and then chap, chopped his rib cage in half along the spine, all the way up his neck, put half a neck, half a shoulder, and half a rib cage on one side, and then the other side of the mule carried the other side. So we literally carried out, other than the hooves, the whole animal. Hmm. Like, it was pretty awesome. Um, so why are we, I, I think the main reason for leaving him like that overnight was just to, just to have him halfway done, you know, like to have his, have as much work done before we left. Cause to your point, we could have just gutted him and buried him like that, hmm. left him whole. It, it was only a five yard gap. We really didn't even drag the guts off as far as I thought we would. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, we pushed a whole bunch of elk right towards my guys turned out. A series of comical errors led to two random Montanans who happened to be back there shooting two bulls right out from under their guide's nose. Because uh, their guide was taking a dump. Right. That was the <laughs> that was the the first error. Yeah. Damn the luck. He was sitting there in the woods, uh, pinching one off right before, you know, go time, and uh, found out he was already in go time. And he looked up, and there were elk twenty yards from him. <laughs> so he. Pulls up his britches and he scrambles well, over to my guys. Just and... Shoot one without the guide there. Like I would have just. Oh, I, I, I don't think they. I think they were looking the wrong direction. Oh. Um. But so then they did see these guys shoot like, these two the bulls. Guide. I'm here to kill an. What? Boom! They saw saw them shoot two bulls and they thought it was me and my guide because me and my guide had been out all day. Everybody else had checked back in at camp, and so they go over into this open meadow down by the river and they grab this guy's bull and they're like looking at it and the guy walks up and he's like, "What are you doing with my bull, dude?" They're like, "Oh, you're not." And then they then well, like they walked up on it and they realized that three shots had killed two bulls and they were like, what the hell's Chisholm doing killing two bulls? <laughs> it's not Chisholm. Uh anyway, so went back the next day to get him with the, the mules and, on horseback and had to go across that deep creek to the side he was on. So we left the horses and we walked the mules up a steep face. And you know, so the whole now we're you can hear the crows, uh all the carry on you know raising hell over there on the carcass and you're like that should get somebody's attention so you know you're slipping in there i've got my 300 loaded he's got his 45 a 10 millimeter actually there at the ready and but we got up on it and the gut pile was pretty well undisturbed the meat was all great just like we left it so uh thankfully no bears but it takes a good 10 minutes before you uh let your guard down as far as that goes yeah <clears throat> sunday morning the guys got into a bunch of wolves None of my crew shot one, but they watched a kid, another Montana kid, knock a wolf down, caught some fly fish on a fly rod, mm. packed the meat out on Saturday, got it all on the plane with my antlers on Tuesday, and that's all she wrote. Ended up with a bull that's probably right at 330 inches if he was whole. Yeah. Which is way oh, bigger awesome. than, yeah. It sounds like uh, an epic justified pursuit. It was certainly that. Um, on the way out, the owner's wife, I mean, you know, the owner, the, the lady owner, I guess she runs the lodge part in the bar. She took us back to great falls and she was just, you know, talking about the different hunts and, you know, there were, there were two six man camps and there were only two bull shot in basically six days, five days of hunting mine and one from the other camp. And, you know, it was mostly older guys who couldn't move. There was a group of four guys in that other camp that were all naval aviators, fighter pilots. They got one of those bulls. I don't really know what happened with the why the rest of them didn't end up getting a shot, but um, 
on the way out, you know, she's like, yeah, at the end of the day, you know, all we can do is show them to you. And from there, it's a matter of, you know, can you, can you walk and can you shoot? And I was like, well, I can attest to having to do both. Like we had to put a move on these elk. We had to climb, we had to belly crawl, we had to freeze for hours. And then I still had to make a heck of a shot through timber, not to pat myself on the back, but, oh, I was going to say, so like the brown patch I'm looking at in retrospect, I was thinking about it all yesterday, but when I'm looking at that brown patch after my first shot and I'm thinking, I'm looking at like one third of his neck, I realize now, cause I literally hit him right between the antlers, about three inches below the skull cap. Right. Mm-hmm. So it went into his brain from the back. So you, you JFK would him. Totally. And, uh, but thinking about it now, Too if soon. I was looking at, and it's been like 50 years. Okay. If I was looking at 60, the back of his, if I could put a bullet in the back of his skull like that, I think it real. I realize now through the magnification and the lack of like perception, right? I guess all I was looking at was his actual head because I couldn't see the base of his antlers. I couldn't see his ears, mm. but to hit him where I hit him, I sh- either I should have been able to see those or I was so zoomed in and my narrow window was so narrow that it was narrower than his antlers, right? like the bases of his antlers, right? Because I couldn't see any of that stuff. All I could see was brown and I snuck one through there and it happened to be right in his brain. My guy, when we were skinning out his head, he finds this hole and he goes, holy crap, you brained his ass. <laughs> Damn right I did. Anyway. Awesome. Um, yeah, it was a good hunt. Right out wasn't as bad as right in. Got a bunch of pretty pictures. Ate some tenderloins last night. And now I'm trying to figure out if I'm going to bother paying a taxidermist to rebuild that one broke off antler or just leave him be but and so the trophy's in the eye of the beholder either way it's a trophy it's i can't tell you one way or the other it's your trophy it's whatever you do is the right decision i listened to your chat with stubblefield i gotta send that guy a text and say hey i got one yeah nice yeah 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 that was an interesting conversation y'all check that out on the lone star door show if you haven't um well, congrats, man. That's awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, uh, we got up on him and, you know, immediately you see he's good and like heavy, like heavy horn and his, the four, like, you know, they've got brow tines and then their seconds. To me, those are all eye guards, right? But the ones that stick straight out and rake up, they were big and curved. Like the base of his ones, dude, I can barely get my hand around. The base of the tines are so thick. Um, but I've never your, your other two elk you've killed fit easily inside this thing. Right. Like those uh Russian dolls. Yeah. Yeah. Um <laughs> I I've never scored a bull until this one. So I, you know, and I don't like to way overjudge something, right? So when we went back to get him, I was like, So what do you think, man? It's like a 250 bull. And he was like, dude, so he's bigger than that. And I was like, what, like a 280? He goes, No, man, I think this is like a 310, 320 bull. And I was like, damn, really? It's like, yeah, it's a good bull, but you're always wondering like, well, is my outfitter just buttering me up? Right. But yeah, sure as hell, man. I, I taped him out last night. I, all of the antler that he had. And then the part that's broken off on that one side, I just matched what he, yeah. you know, his basically his fourth and his fifth and his beam length. And, uh, yeah, have him just right at three thirty almost. So he was right. And then when we got down to the lodge, he was in this, they had him in this like uh, metal building work garage, you know? with high ceilings, but you know, like the size of a two or three car garage. And in that enclosed space, when I walked up, I was like, Whoa, (laughs) he's 
like out in the mountainside, you know, it was, it was one thing, but then I see him in this garage and I'm like, damn, that thing's pretty big. And then I look up on the wall and there's a bull mount on the wall and he was like a six by seven, but narrower and not as heavy or as long timed as my bull. You know, I mean, he had a bunch of points, kind of a cool, like almost red stag crown on one side. But, you know, other than that, my bull dwarfed his ass. I was like, damn, he's bigger than the one that got mounted in here. This is freaking awesome. So, yeah, it was cool. Well, that is awesome. Yep. I was pulling for you. I was excited when I got the uh, text from the Garmin inReach. It just says bull down. Yeah, that's all the details I got for like five days or whatever. <laughs> but that's cool. You know, right. I was just like, cool. You know, awesome. Um, very cool. Well, you missed some stuff while you were gone, which we'll talk a, lo- a little bit about. But I was going to tell you. So I took my mom to lunch yesterday, uh, and we've talked about it in detail. You know, she got COVID December 2020, almost died, was in the hospital for over a month. And it's been a struggle for her to get back to the same level of health and functionality that she had before she got COVID. Yeah. And they call it long haulers. And, you know, she still has trouble walking up and down stairs. And she hasn't driven a car since November, late November, because we got it around Thanksgiving and she went to the hospital in December. She hasn't driven in almost two years my dad needs her to drive because he has to work and he can't be taking her wherever she needs to go all the time and not spending time at his office but he doesn't he's not stern enough to be like Connie you got to drive drive so I took her to lunch we go out to lunch and then I give her the keys and say you're driving home and she kind of freaked out she's like I don't I don't know if I can do it I was like well then we'll just sit here because you're going to do it or we're not going so and she's very short. She my mom's five one, so she could barely see over the the rental truck because my truck's still in the shop. Another story, but uh, she was like, I can't even see over the hood. So I took both of the twin soccer bags were in the back seat. I grabbed those. I was like, sit on these, slap those down. She can see over. And I'm not kidding. It was like driving with a teenager that had a lead foot. The tires were squealing every time she turned. And I was, I was a little nervous, but you know, it was only like a three mile drive back to their house and she did it. And then when she got out of the truck, she gave me a big hug and just started crying and told me, thank you. I said, didn't that feel good? Don't you feel like liberated from this prison that, I mean, you're not a disabled person. You should be able to drive a car. She's like, it felt really good. And she's like, can I go get the keys to my van? I want to drive my, I want to drive my car now. And I was like, well, I got to go pick up the kids from school, but I will come over on Saturday and we'll drive your car. Nice. So, yeah, it was good. I think job. just a part of that healing process for her. We'll see if she continues, but I don't, there's no excuse now. She did it. She knows she yep. can do it. So that was pretty cool. I think we've touched on this before, but it's interesting to reach the stage of life where we really have to step in in moments like this and, you know, kind of, lift our folks up, right? Like you, you mentioned to me when you told me like your dad needs her to be able to drive, but just was a battle. He wasn't up for fighting. Right. And mm-hmm. so he really needed you to step in and, you know, take, take charge of the situation. Well, and I called him, right. before, I called him on the way to lunch. I was like, Hey, I'm thinking about making mom drive home. He's like, do it, please. Do it. <laughs> right. She needs to drive. That's cool. So he even recognizes like, yes, I need, you know, yeah. help me. Yeah. 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 Um, well, like I told you, I prayed for her this morning. I'll keep doing so. I appreciate that. So, you know, everyone's waking up from the malaise and the lies of the past two years. And I would say everyone, I mean, like state governments, Chisholm, 
are walking back decisions that were made. The New York Supreme Court said that all federal employees that were fired or you know lost their jobs due to not wanting to get vaccinated over the last two years, not only must they be reinstated, they're going to be uh, offered back pay as well. Damn right they should. Yeah. I had not seen that. That's That's awesome. in the state of New York. That's the state Supreme Court? Yeah, New York State Supreme Good. Court. Uh, so, yeah. And I want to play this audio from It's from a very famous celebrity, one that I did not know had any depth whatsoever, but you don't know from just seeing people uh, on social media and in this guy guy's line of work, you don't know what anyone's beliefs are or their opinions, but I'm going to play this and I want to tell me if you can even identify who it is. Uh, but I think uh, the introspection here is spot on. Let's take a listen. Companies who basically sell billions, hundreds of billions of dollars worth of medication to people. If the medication actually worked, then they wouldn't have any more clients. So they're just trying to get these people more sick. Um, and this type of corruption happens with hundred billion dollar organizations because like I said, it's hundreds of billions of dollars on the line and greediness never stops, man. You know, these people always want more and more and more. So do you know who that is? Sounds vaguely familiar, but no, I can't place it. It's Jake Paul. <laughs> oh yeah. He's, he's base, man. Yeah. yeah. Jake Paul. No, those guys, both of them, you know, yeah, they, they, They've made themselves fabulously wealthy by kind of being clowns on YouTube. But um, to me, you don't build an empire like that unless you're a pretty bright guy, regardless yeah. of how, what the persona is, right? Like what you put out there, like mm -hmm. those guys are, yeah, man. And then we had the, uh, not to Alberta. mention, dude, like which one is the, is it Jake or the other one that's doing the boxing? Like he's Jake. a beast, dude, yeah. Yeah. a beast. I mean, yeah, Rogan talks about Floyd it. Floyd Mayweather. Yeah. Yeah, and he's knocked like four guys out cold. I mean, none of yeah. them were boxers, but yeah, dude's a Rogan talks about all the time. He's like, dude, if he had been boxing since he was 10, he'd be an elite fighter. And right. You now he's doing pretty damn good as it is after only boxing for like three. So I think he was also, a collegiate wrestler too. I know he was a collegiate wrestler. So also, a while you were gone, the Alberta prime minister came out and said, and I don't, I don't have the audio, but I'll just paraphrase what she said. She said, I want to apologize to the unvaccinated because never, not since World War II, have we seen a more persecuted section of the population. Yeah, man, the dam is collapsing. Um, there's an article in the Atlantic. I think I, I meant to send it to you the other day that I've seen since I've been out called, uh, the article is titled like, we should grant each other pandemic amnesty. You've seen this? I saw this, dude. Yeah. So the left is now arguing, we just didn't know. We did the best we could. We didn't understand that not letting kids go to school was worse than the virus. And we didn't understand that, you know, 35-year-old healthy people maybe didn't need to be forced to wear masks and take shots. And we just didn't know. We were so scared. F Dude. you. I'm not granting pandemic amnesty for nothing. I've got no. grace. I've got grace for your soul. I don't have any grace for what you did because no. half of y'all were doing it on purpose. It's unforgivable, dude. And you're it's bad people. Wait, yeah. It's not unforgivable. I will forgive you, but I will not forget. Right. Sorry. <clears throat> right. 
Right. And maybe the Bible says forgive and forget, but I'm not. I'm sorry. I'm not. I will forgive. I'm not forgetting. Not happening. I know I had a pastor you know tell me that, forget, that forgetting dude, was not part of the deal. Forgiving they'll, they'll means do it forgiving, again. but right. They'll do it again. So there has to be, uh, and we always talk about this with the left. Where's the accountability? Sorry. If we give you amnesty, you're just going to do it again. So no, we're going to hold you accountable. We're going to put your feet to the floor. It's so, I mean, it, dude, it's been interesting, you know, in this grand awakening that on some level, all of us have had over the last two and a half years, you know, well, so like you were basically red pilled certainly long before I was, but even you have had an awakening the last two and a half yeah. years of what like I corruption. I don't know that I was ever red pilled. I, that's just always the way that I thought. Like, I, yeah. I okay. That's a, that probably is. a better way to say it. You were a conservative who had hard lines that you granted no gray area to. And I was more willing to, you know, play the devil's advocate, give people the benefit of the doubt and that sort of stuff. And I guess to, we've both been red pilled in so far as like we see now, that the corruption is like like a damn movie plot. Like it, it's just so much more blatant and in your face than either of us ever could have imagined. Um, but to 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 start seeing what like six months ago now. I mean, we've been talking about this. It's been this incremental drip, right? And it's so funny how they play it, right? The whole frog in the boiling pot, right? They start to drip six months ago. There's a problem with these shots. They don't really work like we thought. Oh, there's a problem with test scores in schools. And, you know, then like you just suddenly kind of notice, like, I haven't seen Fauci talk in 60 days. Where's Fauci been? Right. The superhero. Right. That's a good like, point. Where is he? Well, right now, when he is talking, he's claiming he never wanted to lock down schools. So mm -hmm. all of the podcasts I listen to, they'll play these supercuts of him saying, I never suggested that we do this. And then the very next clip will be, we need to lock the schools down to keep the children and the teachers safe. Right. Like they're all, Oh, the, the, the Burke's book, okay. right. That came out that like patted herself on the back for lying to the American people. It's like, right. Each gotta, of these things that we're talking about are just, it's not going to just come in an avalanche. It's like, I'm going to play this clip because it's spot on with just walking or just, just because you say something doesn't make it true. But you think that we're stupid enough to forget what actually happened just because you're telling us right now today that, that it wasn't that way. So listen to this, asshole. Common price of gas in America is $3.39, down from over $5 when I took office. Yeah, up from two and a half. It was yeah. $2.39, you ass clown, when you took office. $2.39. You just went on national television and claimed that it was $5 an effing dude, gallon when you were an elected. Even, there's oh, an no, even you better one, dude. He did a speech where he patted himself on the back for getting the student loan forgiveness passed through Congress. And he even that. goes as far as to say, I got it through by just a couple of votes, but we got it and I just signed it. Uh, no, Mr. President, that was an executive order. Right. And your speaker of the house, Nancy Pelosi said, what you did was illegal mm -hmm. and unconstitutional. Like, and here's the thing. He's not lying. He's wrong. 180 degrees with wrong. But I think his Alzheimer riddled old brain believes what he's saying. What he signed, he thinks, was actually legislation, not an executive order to hand out another 
trillion dollars. It was like five hundred billion, right? Seven hundred. It'll cost us seven hundred billion dollars. That specific thing. Yeah. It's not going to. It's already uh, been paused. Have you, you saw that, right? Right before yes. before I left, an appellate court stopped it. I think we and, mentioned that on episode one. Yeah, and I think the Supreme Court had already agreed to review it in yeah. an expedited review. So it, nobody's getting paid on those. Thank God, thankfully, because it will. Thankfully. You know who it's going to screw over? Our kids. Yeah. Big time. Absolutely. Oh, also, he took credit for, he said that no, the seniors that are under Social Security have never seen more of a benefit under any other administration. He's done more to increase their, uh, I guess, the amount that they're getting paid out because of the cost of living going up. Well, what I found out was that that was a law put into place under Richard Nixon that incrementally increases Social Security based off the cost of living. And here's yeah. asshole taking credit for that. Lion Biden. What an ass hat. But yeah, he's taking credit for that too. Yeah. Do a little digging. Richard Nixon actually is the one who did that. Uh, he's been doing that a lot of stuff, claiming all kinds of credit for all kinds of things. I just saw today. I mean, I saw today that Nevada Senate race is a lot closer than people expected. Axel, oh, dude. Axel, They're his name. Real Clear Politics has it now at a 54 seat Senate advantage for the Republicans. I think we talked about it on the last episode yeah. before well, I left. We talked but a lot about the red they, wave. They have this uh, the, the Real Clear Politics is just a you know bunch of polls averaged together, and it, now they have this adjustment factor. They've gone back to 2016, 18, and 20, and said, "All right, in Ohio, the Republican turnout was undercounted by four and a half points." So right now, the average for uh, J.D. Vance there is a 1.5. He's he's projected to win by 1.5 percentage points against the Democrat. You add those four and a half to it, and he's going to win by five, you know, six plus points, right? And so then the close races, like the one in Nevada you just mentioned, I think well, Lexalt is the uh, the Republican's name. Even New Hampshire, um, all of these close races, even down in Arizona now, Blake Masters has cut the gap so much, and the and the um, libertarian third party candidate that was hogging up three or four percent of the vote just resigned bowed, bowed out and endorsed masters you add all that together he's supposed to win like dude michigan that psychopath who we've been talking about for two and a half years gretchen whitmer in michigan a month ago was supposedly leading by 12 points wow. with this adjustment in michigan i think she's losing now same in new york dude kathy Hochul might lose to a guy named lee zeldin in new york yeah well, she's terrible. Uh, do, so would uh, you yeah. describe Nike as a woke company? Yeah, but apparently right? there's something new going on. I yeah, think he's, so yeah. Phil Knight, their owner, right. he's worth 340-something billion dollars. He's the richest man in Oregon. He has made it his mission to make sure that the Democrats do not win the governor's mansion for the first time in 40 years. So I don't yeah, know and there's, the Republicans it looks like there looks like the Republicans are going to win that race, too. Unbelievable, yep. dude. Yep unbelievable but this oh, is what I mean, happens when you lie to people for two years and yeah. persecute not just lie you could they lie to us every day but you actively persecute them right. for making a a decision on their own person your personal health is your decision it's your body yep. yeah and this is what this is the result and and in the process of doing that you crush the economy people don't forget that either they lost their jobs because of what you tried to make them do yeah Turns yep. out people 
don't appreciate it. And they're not forgetting. Even if you try to tell us the cost of gas was $5 when you took office. You jack off. Um, I want to play this clip too, because also while you were gone, some there was apparently a lover's quarrel in the Pelosi household. And it wasn't between Nancy and Paul. It was between Paul and some dude in his underwear that broke in and they were trying to beat each other with hammers. So I, maybe it was a, like a lover's bat gone wrong. But of course, the left wing media instantly tried to portray this guy as a MAGA Republican. Right. Somehow I a thought, San Francisco I, I I tranny. The, right. Somehow a San Francisco tranny uh, busts into the speaker's house, supposedly. And it's Trump's fault. <laughs> right. <laughs> sure. Of course yeah, it is. The tranny. Somebody Political violence is on the rise and it's all from the right. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, here is our favorite, everyone's favorite, Rachel Maddow, after the MAGA Republican in his underwear broke into somehow assault. Do you know what? Here's my other question, and this needs to be pointed out. What kind of in in the climate we live in today? Do you think that Nancy Pelosi's house doesn't have full time security detail? Dude. Who let? Who let that guy in? I was listening to No Paul Agenda. Pelosi let the dude in. What happened? Adam Adam Curry from No Agenda has been on her street uh, when he was at an event that Elon Musk invited him to, where it's like in the same community there. Mm-hmm. And he was like, dude, you don't even drive into that community without credentials. Like, you know, it's not just one of those where the, the, the gate opens and you can sneak in. No, mm-hmm. you don't get into Nancy Pelosi's walled neighborhood within which she has a wall around her house. <laughs> yeah, it's crap, dude. Right. Total setup. One way or the other, either Paul invited just him don't in or... Tr- I, I, think that, I literally think they made the whole thing up. An 80-something-year-old old drunk gets beaten with a hammer, and he's okay, mostly. Supposedly he had surgery. Yeah. So they... Well, here, Rachel says that the extent of his injuries right here, but here we go. He reportedly has extensive injuries to multiple body parts, including a fractured skull. Reportedly. It gets better. This is the year. This is the election when your vote up and down to the very bottom of the ballot is an answer to this one question. Is it democracy or is it force and violence? I will just say on the Paul Pelosi intro, nobody wants political violence. People on the right have denounced that uh, all all over the place. But you know what? I didn't see those tears when Rand Paul was tackled in his yard. I didn't see those tears when Steve Scalise was shot at a baseball game. I didn't see those tears when Antifa and BLM were burning down cities and killing dozens across this country. And I certainly have not seen those tears with all the people who have been injured by being forced to get injected with a vaccine that they did not want. Myocarditis. Where are the tears for that type of violence? That's what I want to know. So I don't even know who that guy is, but he was featured as a guest on Newsmax, and that was his response to Rachel Maddow's cry for sympathy for your vote matters so much more than ever because some tranny in his underwear somehow snuck into one of the most highly secure neighborhoods in America and beat an 80-year-old drunk with a hammer? Not buying it. Nope. How desperate? How desperate are they, dude? How freaking they are groveling. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's so great. I love it. Oh yeah, it's it's, it. it's a lot of fun right now. Um 
Although a whole things a whole bunch of things have to go right. All the Republicans that win have to actually like take a stand and continue to vote their convictions and not get uh you know not get cringed into the right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Perfect. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um so that remains to be seen. Um and then, you know, what will the Democrats do from this whipping? Will they spend two more years doubling down on the fact that we're all deranged and being lied to by some <laughs> you know, like that their truth is the real truth and that all of ours is is the lies and that we've all been quote radicalized or will they really take a step back and and say um forcing uh girls to shower with boys uh in the name of equity is not a good thing and, uh, and, and the majority you know, actually doesn't like that empowering violent crime by letting violent criminals out back on the streets or like you know making it perfectly legal to steal up to a thousand dollars worth of merchandise and all these other things like will they moderate or will they continue to double down on hyper destructive regressive woke policies hmm. uh we shall see so Beto has a video out. I don't. I don't pull the audio. It's not. It doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. But uh, the the headline for the video, which I posted on our Justified Pursuit Instagram, is just uh, and it's on his apparently on his YouTube and it's making the rounds. It says, "Protect our kids." As governor, I'll protect our kids. Also, Beto, he likes to wear a shirt that says, "Don't mess with trans kids." Isn't that ironic? I'll protect your kids by transgendering them? So you yeah. mean the exact opposite of protecting them? You mean right. indoctrinating them? <laughs> the irony isn't lost on me. Yeah. It isn't lost on me. Probably that's probably someone it's a Texas number. It's probably someone from Beto's campaign calling right now asking if I'm gonna vote for him. Yeah. Nope. Hmm. Yeah, a buddy of mine from church that's from Connecticut originally. And his whole clan moved here as fast as they could. Uh, he texted me right about the time we recorded that episode where you were concerned about the polls. So like what a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm still concerned about them cheating, but yeah. we'll see. It, the landslide is going to be un 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 uh, uncorrectable. Uh, you know, maybe they managed to cheat a few. Maybe they they cheat a few seats away, but they're they're losing the majorities on both. I think it's pretty clear now. Um, 30 something governors will be Republicans. Anyway, my buddy texts me and he's like, man, how in the hell is it possible that Beto O'Rourke is close with, with Abbott? And I was like, uh, it's not because he's not, he's like, I saw this thing. It was on the San Antonio news. They were reporting, I think a UT, uh, poll that showed it like two and a half points or maybe it was even three or something like that. And I was like, well, first of all, dude, in Texas, a two and a half or three point conservative majority is a plenty comfortable. Like he's not going to lose if that's the case even right now mm-hmm. but his take was like why is it so close and i was like well here's the trafalgar group which has been the most reliable polling outfit since of the, like the basically the last decade and they show it's like a six and a half point lead right and that's a landslide but the reality is he's going to end up pretty damn close to double digits Beto is going to get nuked and it's going to be awesome who's be more the- of like the genital herpes of the political world Beto or stacy abrams Oh, I mean, neither of them can touch Kamila. Yeah, but no, Kam- but Kamila is actually in a position of power, and these people are just like the herpes that just won't go away. They keep coming back and keep losing. Yeah, I mean, maybe you could say the same from Kamila, since she was the last place finisher prior to the Iowa caucuses. She might actually have gotten genital herpes on her way to the top. 
Oh, she's definitely had some some penicillin or something along the way. Yeah. Mm. <laughs> she's so gross. What's really gross about her is she has an Adam's apple. And her neck is as thick as Brian Cushing's. Have we talked it's about this? It's like as thick as that rutted up bull you just shot. I'm not sure that she's not a tranny. Yeah. I'm really like not even joking. <laughs> okay, now we're look at the neck on that broad. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It looks like the bull I just shot. It's enormous. Um I asked you to do the research on what's going on in Brazil because that's important too. <sighs> I did it pretty uh quickly and half-assedly, but the long and short of it seems to be that conservative incumbent bolsonaro got beat by a straight-up commie leftist and that led to blockades and riots in the streets as he questioned the election he finally i guess uh acknowledged his defeat and asked the crowds to disperse that must have been today because as of yesterday they were still like I don't know that they have dispersed yet. He's asking 50,000. Like, I don't know if it's 100,000 like or if it's yeah. 50,000, but just thousands and thousands of people protesting. Here's my question. So were they protesting him or were they protesting the leftist government that won? Or that doesn't guess, matter who, to me. I guess, I guess there's no way of knowing the truth since our media would lie to us about it anyway. How did, after what's happened the past two years, how did they elect a leftist? Maybe, they're, maybe, they're, I mean, maybe they weren't on, under the same type of stuff that we were in the United States. But I don't see how, like, if they were doing the same things that our government was doing. So I would. I heard on a show yesterday that Bolsonaro didn't cow to the to the the viral mob one bit. That like the country remained wide open the whole time. That there was no like nothing. Like they mm-hmm. did nothing to respond to COVID. Uh, at least according to these guys I was listening to. So doesn't sound to your point like they did live through necessarily what we did okay maybe that contributes but i can see it their their economy just like the world economy was certainly still shaken by it right so you know and there's already horrid poverty i mean you know brazil's probably what a second world country um you know so you got a communist promising to give everybody free money Mm. Mm. same way they do it here right (laughs) If the left wasn't trying to hand stuff out to people, they'd have no chance because their ideas suck. Yes, suck. They want you to suck off their tit in perpetuity. That's right. Exactly what it is. Get you you addicted to that government handout. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't don't really have anything else for today. These were some of just the major headlines that occurred while you were in the backcountry. There's a ton more stuff to get into, but we've already gone for over an hour or so. Yeah, and when the next time we regroup, we'll have a whole election to recap. So. Well, I voted, by the way, early voted, and I wore the uh, Fauci tar and feather tyrants shirt. I'm definitely going to wear that one when I go vote. To the yeah. poll. And you know what yeah. the old lady that checked me in said? <laughs> what? She said, is your name really Cable? And I was like, yes, it's the name that my father gave me. She goes, well, first of all, I love your name. Secondly, and she starts whispering. <laughs> good and guess good i only got one sideways look and you can i bet that person me. was wearing a mask he was he absolutely was wearing a mask <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. man it's incredible oh, incredible so speaking of masks dude there's this one concerning thing that i'm seeing every day on the way to pick up my kids from school describe to me the female high school student still wearing a mask 
Just describe. What, what would that person look like? And I'll oh. see how close you can get. Yeah, she's definitely obese. Her hair is some sort of unnatural factory produced color. Pink. Uh, pink. Yep. That's would be certainly on the list. Um, yeah, just just generally gross. She kind of walks like um, with that posture of a morbidly obese person where their arms have to flare. Okay, out she's not morbidly obese, but everything oh, okay. else is correct so far. So far and I'm she's wearing, you know, mostly black is the, the mm. color de jour every day. And then so the, she's a real rebel who's still mask, wearing a mask, huh? Dude, the mask is a rainbow flag. Sure. And this is a 15-year-old kid. Isn't that I funny, dude? Feel, like, they think that they're so rebellious by just following in lockstep. It's like, just because you wear creepy black clothes doesn't mean you're not a total follower. How about smoke a cigarette got, or drink some alcohol and just quit with this other charade? What a handful of mushrooms and freaking snap out of your... Yeah, <clears throat> psychosis, malaise. Yeah, well, you nailed it. The number one thing was the pink hair. I was like, oh, and then I'm, and then I drive by, and of course, my head snaps back to look at her face because I'm looking at her from the back, and I, you know, I see the pink hair and the black piercings. Like, Got to have oh, some like yeah. something dangling out of her nose. Yeah, definitely yeah. piercings, and I just see the rainbow mask, and I'm like, of course, this is the ward of the state. This is the uh, the product of the left's attempt to indoctrinate and you like you said lock and step there you are doing exactly what they want with your pink hair yep and I, you know what I, I don't want to pass judgment maybe maybe her parents maybe this is not what they envisioned for their kid uh but my kid ain't having any pink hair in this house I'll tell you that right now yeah no <laughs> And if it happens, hopefully they'll grow out of it because you've instilled the proper foundational values. That'll be yeah. at some point they'll do something that makes you crazy, and then they'll come back around. Well, I just hope they're not half as bad as I was. Right. <laughs> it's funny well, to t- have those conversations now with your parents, and it's so casual. It's like, oh yeah, I did that, and they're like, yeah, well, you, you really weren't that great of a kid. <laughs> <laughs> we we did our best. You sucked. We took you to church on Sunday, Sunday night, Wednesday night. We put you in, you know, private Christian school. And I, but I look back on all that stuff and I think I'm really grateful that they did do all those things. Yeah. Oh, dude, it worked. Like, dude, the prodigal son is not just a story in the book, man. Mm -hmm. Prodigal son is the story of all of us. And not just the son, but at some point you're the father having to welcome the son back. And at some point you're probably the brother who's like, why the hell does the son get anything that jackass left? Right. Mm -hmm. So it's teaching you about grace forgiveness a return to your foundations like it's everything it, it, the whole bible can be summed up in that story and we are all all of those characters at some point in life right absolutely it's just a matter of how far off you roam before you come home mm-hmm. well that's going to do it for episode 101 of justified pursuit for chisholm cook i'm cable smith thanks for tuning in forgive but don't forget Wax up your surfboards. We're going surfing. Red wave coming, baby. Hell yeah. Big one.